second epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 8. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable and according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, He that gathered much did not have too much, and he that gathered little did not have too little. The word of God for the world. is based on a text you know very well. For God so loved the world that he did what? Yes. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Giving is a marvelous thing. It allows us to express love. Now, as we journey this morning from Babylonia to Western North Carolina by way of Anatolia, uh, think about your experience in the love that is expressed through giving. Let's look at that text that Jane read. Get a little background. 
the uh, southern kingdom had gone into captivity and then all of a sudden there was uh, some unrest in the Middle East, nothing new about that. And uh, the Persians came along and defeated the Babylonians and they had a different approach to things. And Cyrus said, you can go back to the land and reestablish yourselves and rebuild your city. And so Ezra <coughs> led the remnant to return to the land and Nehemiah took a leave of absence from the court of Artaxerxes and they reestablished Jerusalem and they rebuilt the temple and they had a revival if you please they were reintroduced to the scriptures and they reinstituted the worship and the giving that was prescribed in the law. Well, that prescription was a tithe and some additional offerings that were specified. It didn't take long for things to start falling apart. And this is where Malachi comes on the scene. It seems that uh, corruption permeated the priesthood. Now, if you've read the book, you know that the clergy gets a lot of bad press. And maybe it started there. But anyway, the people began to bring improper offerings. It was specified that the offering was to be without blemish. But after all, that animal could bring a better price at the market. And what difference did it make anyway? The animal was just going to be sacrificed. And so it went. And then as they looked at the tithe, they started looking for deductions. And we've just been through tax season, and you know how that works. And sometimes uh, <clears throat> there are some creative deductions. Uh, and that seems to be what was happening here. And the prophet says, you're robbing God. You're taking what rightfully belongs to him and using it for your own purposes. You have a duty, and that duty is to give that tithe that is specified in the law. Well, there wasn't much choice in that situation. It was laid out pretty clearly. You give the time. Well, let's shift about 500 years to Corinth. Corinth was a very special place so far as the Apostle Paul was concerned. In his journey to carry out his calling to take the gospel to the Gentiles, he had stopped in Corinth. He had presented the gospel and he had spent time there teaching. And then he started getting reports after he had gone on that things were not going well in Corinth. And he decided he needed to write a letter. And we have that 
letter, the first letter to the Corinthians, it was a bad situation. They had factions. They weren't getting along at all. Now maybe this is the place to introduce something that Martin Luther is purported to have said. He said, people have three conversions. The head, the heart, and the pocketbook. Fortunately, they don't all happen at the same time. So it appeared that maybe uh, the head experience had taken place. But they hadn't moved much farther than that. And Paul gave them a lot of advice. And you know, he wrote that wonderful 13th chapter of the first book to Corinth. And he told them about love. And he dealt with some other problems. And he had some other correspondence. We're not exactly sure how much. But we know we have in this second letter his correspondence to the church at Corinth. And apparently some things that happened in a very positive way. They were moving on. And, and maybe that second conversion had taken place and he was working on the third. He was going to go to Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem had come on hard times. They needed help. And so Paul was taking up a collection. And he's talking to the Corinthian church about participating in that collection. And he says, now, there's a good example for you to follow, and that's the churches in Macedonia. Something really happened there, and, and they give generously. And if we look at his letter to that church, he comments on their generosity. I don't know exactly what happened there, but maybe from a biological perspective, a couple of folks there got infected by the Holy Spirit. And some things happened. I don't know. Maybe it was the cold weather. Maybe it was those folks who persecuted them. Maybe they just got to liking each other. And they started getting together and breathing on one another. And before you know it, that had spread to the whole congregation. And they started giving. And it felt so good that they just kept on doing it. And they did more than they could have expected to be done. More than Paul could possibly anticipate. And you know those uncontrollable spasms of joy just started breaking out I've had the opportunity to visit with some churches unfortunately they weren't in this country uh, where that joy really showed forth in one of those places was Cuba Paul talks about the fact that those Macedonians didn't have much at all, but they gave. And that's what our Cuban brothers and sisters did. They live in material poverty, but spiritual riches. 
and they love to give, and they express joy in such a wonderful way. You've seen the gifts that those who have gone have brought back. They didn't go out and buy them. They don't have anything to buy them with, but they made them because of the love that's in their heart and their desire to give. But that's not exclusively, exclusively the case. Uh, a few years ago, Carol and I had the opportunity to spend a week living in the home of Luis and Graciela Perealado in Trujillo, Peru. They were some wonderful Christian folks. Uh, Luis is the chicken king of Peru. He doesn't raise them, he distributes them. He distributes a lot of chickens. And he does very well financially. And we talked about his concern that because he was away so much, he really couldn't do some of the things in the church that he would like to do. But he said, you know what? God has blessed me materially. And what I can do is give. And that's what he did. He gave. Interestingly, the word regalado in Spanish means gifted. He was gifted in giving. And that was the case with those Macedonian Christians. So Paul said, you know, uh, you can do the same thing. Now I'm going to take this collection and I want you to have the opportunity to be a part of it and express your love for your fellow Christians. And then knowing that <clears throat> these folks were rather difficult to deal with, he said, I have an even more powerful <coughs> argument. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what he did. Uh, shift for a minute over to his letter to the church in Colossae. Paul says, Jesus was the one who created the universe. He made it all. It's all his. And not only that, it is for him. And you know what he did? With all of that richness, he became poor. He set it aside. He became one of us. He lived among us. And in the ultimate act of giving, he gave himself for us. The words of that Wesleyan hymn run through my mind frequently. And can it be that thou, my God, didst die for me? That's giving. And Paul says, if you need the ultimate example, here it is. I call upon you to experience the joy of giving. 
The writer of Hebrews said of Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Wouldn't it be wonderful spontaneous joy just broke out right here in Providence Baptist Church? It's an amazing thing. Giving can create joy. Well, those are two perspectives. Let's get another perspective. I call your attention to the bulletin. On the front, there's a painting by Dovey. The Chinese proverb says that a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, this picture depicts what is written in the 12th chapter of Mark's Gospel about an occasion on which Jesus was at the temple observing folks as they came by bring their offerings in the collection box. And he saw a lot of well-dressed folks, you can see them there, coming by, putting their offering in. There's some pretty sizable offerings. And then this widow came along. She didn't have very much. She just put in a couple of coins. And Jesus observed, she's given more than all the rest. They give of their surplus. She's given all she has. The free-for-all Julie reminded us that you and I really don't own anything. Everything we have is a gift. I think she understood that. And I also don't think she went hungry. If you know both the Malachi text and the Corinthians text, the promise of God's abundance to those who give. Jesus says, I want it all. And after all, he bought me. There are two words in the New Testament that uh, are translated servant. One of them is diakonos, which is generally translated servant, except in a few selected places where it's transliterated, and we won't get into that today. But the other word is doulos, a bond servant, a slave, if you please. And that's the word that Paul uses of himself when he talks about his relationship to Christ. Slaves don't own anything. They are entrusted with things. In, in Roman society, many slaves did very important things. But they didn't own anything. 
that all belong to their master. And so it is with us. We don't own anything. We are owned. And we are entrusted with many things. And we are given the privilege of using those things for his honor and glory. And if we have the opportunity to give and experience the joy which results from it. For God so loved the world that he gave. The most precious thing called upon the church at Corinth not to give because it was a duty, because it was written in the law, but to give out of a heart of love in recognition of God's giving. thanks for the incredible gift Jesus who died for us and rose again that we might have eternal life and that we might have the opportunity to minister as his representatives in this world We ask that we may learn the joy of giving. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>